it's pretty amazing when you think about what God can do in a matter of 23 years with a church, amen, and uh, so we're grateful uh, for all that God's doing and all that God's done and what He will do. Uh, remember, our mission is to bring glory to God by loving Him the most, by loving each other as Christ has loved us, and by making disciples of all nations. Our vision is to have a clear pathway for us to fulfill that mission, uh, to become, to love Him the most, to love others as Jesus loved us, to make all disciples. And we believe that happens in this worship service, in life groups, in discipleship groups, and <clears throat> by having a place to serve. That, that we will each just um, love and encourage each other um, and spur one another on to good works. Our values are grace, truth, and growth. title of today's message is this, God is patient. God is patient. As we thought about and read through Joshua chapter 6 through 10, and I'm not going to read all five of those chapters, but I am going to talk about all five of those chapters this morning. And as we think about God is patient, I'd like to think about first this. God is patient with those who do not seek Him. As we read through, as we read through these, this passage this week, probably if you all took some time and read, you might have thought, God doesn't seem very patient with people who don't seek Him. It seemed to me like people, a lot of people were dying. It doesn't seem like God was very patient. But when you think through this, and, 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 rea and reality is, I think that's a fair statement. In past times that I've read through Joshua, I've just been so excited about the victories. And the proclaiming of land, and, taking the, and God's promises being fulfilled. But this time as I read through it, I can tell you that I found myself mourning. I found myself almost saddened thinking about these people that were dying. But I had to bring into my heart and my mind this thought that, wait a minute, I know that God is just. And I know there's not anything that God doesn't do that's not right. But how does all this fit in? When you consider this with me, that the Israelites spent 400 years in Egypt. It, while they were spending 400 years in Egypt, was that God's patience for the nations to begin to seek Him? Was He saying, will you seek me? And you say, well, was he reaching out to them? Well, let me remind you of Romans 1.18. I didn't think, I didn't think it, we, could, we ought to go one day, one Sunday, without bringing a Romans quote to the board. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Watch this. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So first of all, all of mankind, including those that we've read about in these chapters, have, have the truth about God in them. There's something in all of mankind that says, God is true. God is real. But it didn't just stop there. Verse 19 said, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Verse 20, For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So it's not just a truth that's inside of them that they're saying, I'm not going to acknowledge that truth, but I'm going to suppress it. 
<clears throat> but it's also the creation that's outside of them. They're saying, I'm still not going to acknowledge God. And after over 400 years of time, the nation said, we're not seeking you. <coughs> and the Father brings death to them. Let me remind each of us. That one of these days that Jesus is going to return. King of kings and Lord of lords. And those who do not seek him are not going to survive that. They're going to be separated from God. But may I remind us quickly this morning that our job is not to separate or to make final judgment. Our job is to proclaim Jesus that their eyes may see. And that they may begin to seek him because of his goodness. Because God is good. And God never turns away anyone that seeks him. So God is patient with those. But God is patient also with those who do seek Him. God is patient with those who do seek Him. As we begin to think about Joshua and Israel, and man, I thought chapter 4 and 5, <clears throat> I, I would have liked to have backed up and preach that, but I wasn't here, was I? So I don't get that privilege. But really, when you think about those chapters, man, they crossed over the Jordan... Not, not exactly like Moses, but the red, like Moses in the Red Sea, but the next generation had their own body of water. I, I wonder if that generation, Joshua had come across the Red Sea with Moses. I wonder if that generation told Joshua, our generation had a better body of water than your generation. We were better than you all. They had that body of water. But not only that, they prepared memorial stones to remember what God had done. His goodness. The new generation was circumcised. The celebration of Passover was back in place. Man, they had a meal of celebration. Man, what a time. But my favorite part's the end of chapter 5 when Joshua meets the commander-in-chief. And this is a lesson for all of us to learn. And he comes to the commander in the chief and he says, Are you for us or against us? And I love what the commander says. He says, No. <laughs> that wasn't probably the answer he's looking for, was it? What was he saying? What God's been saying all along. It's not that I'm for you or for them. I'm for me. I am. It's for my glory. That, that I love and care for you. That I may be glorified. That I may be lifted up. Not me, but God. That's what he was saying. No, I'm not for you or for them. I am. Is who he is. Let God be glorified. <clears throat> Chapter 6. What a battle, right? Jericho. It's going to take seven days. I, I don't know if there's a battle with this much detail in it. For six days, you're going to march around one time, and you're going to have to not talk. Some of y'all can't even do that during a church service. <laughs> we would never make it around Jericho. This crew here would have to talk before then. Guarantee it. Never make it. But one time a day. And, and then on the seventh day, they're going to do it seven times. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> one writer said he believed it probably might have been an hour around Jericho. I don't know how he knows that. But he thought it might have been an hour around Jericho. So can you imagine <clears throat> seven hours without talking? No, some of y'all would be saying, are we there yet? 
know this group. It would be happening. But on that seventh day, man, they're walking, and at the right time they shout, and the walls come tumbling down. It's a victory like they've never seen before. It's a victory like nobody else has ever seen before. But it's very detailed, and it's very clear. But what I really like about chapter 6 is the amount of attention and the detail that was given to Rahab. They give a lot of details about the city and about how to march around it, but boy, then they give the rest of the time about Rahab and her family. How they cared for her, how they loved her. But the Bible didn't stop there, man. Rahab would go on to have a son. His name would be Boaz. Boaz would marry a little girl named Ruth. Ruth would continue to have a child, and, uh, and it would be the great-grandfather of David. And David would continue on until finally in a manger that we're going to celebrate here in about a month, there'll be a baby named Jesus be born. Listen, not out of the lady that was doing everything right, but the lady that was doing everything wrong. And she put her trust in Christ. And she made the genealogy of Christ. Did you know that? And not just the genealogy of Christ, but the last genealogy of the Scripture. <laughs> you know why there is no more? Because they found who they're looking for. <laughs> no need to look any further, right? So it was Rahab. It's awesome. When a group of people came together 23 years ago because they knew our county needed a church where people are free to worship and free to reach out to others. And at the first business meeting, it was agreed to give a missions, give to missions when they didn't even have money to give. But God has always provided. At that moment, in that time with that group of people, New Horizon had a Jericho moment. And they had clear direction. And this church was born. Chapter 7. Chapter 7, right off the bat, we have the revelation of someone who disobeyed God's orders. Chapter 7, right off the bat, what we have is we have a group, we have Joshua coming to his spy saying, Go and spy out AI and tell me what we need to do. Spy comes back and says, I don't think it'll take over two or 3,000 people. Would you recognize this today? Man, with Jericho, there was such detail. There was such conversation with God. There was such listening to God. God was speaking and they was hearing. It was real. It was there. And we've got this great victory. And then we step in. For some reason, this is the way we do as people. We come together. and we, God has done something great in our life. And now we've got this newfound confidence. It's almost like we think we think now like God thinks. Because God's used us. We've had a great victory. Now we think like He thinks and we do like He does. And we have wisdom. So we're going to make a decision about the next battle. And we're not going to involve God in it. We're just going to do it. And we have our defeat. I can't speak. I can't speak for the first 13 years of New Horizon. But I can speak for the last 10 of New Horizon because I've been here. And what I can tell you is that New Horizon, we have had a lot of Jericho victories that were followed by AI defeats. We've had a lot of Jericho victories where God really done something and brought some good stuff from. And then we stepped out and made a decision in our own wisdom and in our own thinking that wasn't right. And some of those decisions, we waffled in them, laid in them. Some of them we've corrected and some of them we're probably still waffling on. But we've had some Jerichos. We've had some AI. Probably not just in our church, but probably in each family represented. We probably all have had some Jerichos that were followed by some AIs. 
I thought if this, if, I, if we can handle Jericho, I don't need God's <clears throat> instruction to handle AI. I just need to do it. And when they done it, what happened? They lost, didn't they? It's interesting though, isn't it, how patient God is with us. God is so patient with us. He did not just get done with them. He did not put them off. He did not throw them off. He did not get rid of them. He instructed them of exactly what was going on. Exactly why the defeat. And he gave them instruction on how to win. Might I add, when he tells Joshua how to win at AI, he tells them to take all the fighting men. Why is it in our pride that we think we can do things our way? But God gave them victory again. God is so patient to not just kick us to the side. Not just say, I'm done with you. Not just say, I'm finished. But to just get us back on the right road. To get us back where we belong. At the end of chapter 8, Joshua renews his covenant, reads the whole Word of God, which was just the first five books of the Bible at the time. But he read it all to them. <clears throat> but I want you to notice who he read it to. At the end of the chapter, in verse 35, there was not a word of all of Moses' commanded that Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel and the women and the little ones and the sojourners who lived among them. The sojourners are the foreigners. <clears throat> As they were moving across this, you see, <clears throat> you say, well, he was telling them to kill everybody and everything, and everybody and everything was being destroyed. But the reality is, is that some of these folks were coming to Christ. Rahab and her family had come to Christ. Listen, some of these other foreigners were beginning to gather in. Some of them were probably brought from Egypt and said, I want to be with your God. I don't want to stay here. It was not just Israel, it was more. Now, think about this. We've had victory, we had defeat. We got put back on the road to victory. And now in verse 9, we get caught by deception. I keep saying this because I believe it to be true. Satan has one way to attack us, and it's with lies. He attacks us with lies. And when he attacks us with lies, he deceives us. And we believe that lie, and when we begin to believe that lie, the next thing you know, we begin to live that lie. And when we, we, we begin to live <clears throat> the lie of Satan, it begins to bring destruction into our lives. So will you think with me, as they have had victory, defeat, victory, and now they've just read the Word of God all the way through, And now they've been deceived. They've believed a lie. They not only believed a lie, they've signed a document. They've entered into a peace treaty. They've entered into a treaty that says we'll protect you and take care of you. They did it. Guys, there ain't nobody in this building, in this church... Is not beyond being deceived. Deception comes that quick and it came to Joshua. Deception can come that quick to me, 
to you, to any of us. Next thing you know, we're not only believing a lie, we're living a lie. There's a reason for this. Look in chapter 9, verse 14. So the men took some of their provisions, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. Did not ask counsel from the Lord. Man, it, it, all they could see in, a, in our Sunday school class this morning, one person put it like this, and I thought it was really good. All they could see was God saying, look at all that land, it's yours, go and get it. And looking at all the land, they couldn't live day to day. Looking at the end result, they couldn't figure out how to seek the Lord on a daily basis. <clears throat> you and I are not any different, guys. You and I get caught up in the big picture stuff. And we don't seek counsel of the Lord on daily day. Ask Him on a daily routine. God, what do you want my life today? God calls me to honor you today. You remember 18 months ago when God said to me, I, it, I, I've never heard God vertically or audibly speak, but boy, it sure felt like it that day. It was so strong in my spirit, it felt like it. When he said, Chris, if you'll honor me today, I'll take care of your tomorrow. You honor me today, and I'll take care of your tomorrow. Man, if each and every day we just could counsel with the Lord and just honor Him, our future will land exactly the way He wants it to land. Our future will be exactly as He desires. But we've got to just honor Him on a daily basis. At the end of, might, might I just add at the end of chapter 8 when he's doing the, when he's running through the law again, what he's doing is he's, he's reconvening, he's narrowing it down. He's saying, we've got to look at this again. New Horizon as a church, we have to always be evaluating what we're doing. Why do you say that? Because there's a lot of people in here today. And there's a lot of ideals in here today. And the next thing you know, we can be doing a whole lot of good stuff, but not be doing anything really well. God wants us focused clearly on His mission. So we have to ask ourselves all the time, why are we doing this and does it fit with our mission? Does it fit with our vision? And do we continue to do this? Not will be will become a thousand foot wide and a half inch deep. And I think we ought to be 40 foot wide and a thousand foot deep. So we have to ask ourselves. And the reality is if we're not asking ourselves, hear me. Everything that's not inspected will decay. Think about that in your own life. Everything that's not inspected, everything that's not questioned, everything that's not asked about, everything that's not put under the mind and said, is this right? It will decay. Is it doing what it's supposed to do? It will decay. But we're a people that what? We're a people that don't like to inspect things. We're a people don't like don't like to acknowledge that the defeat might have been our fault. So we've got some good little sayings that we use. The devil attacked. Well, maybe it wasn't the devil. Maybe it wasn't counsel from the Lord. Maybe it wasn't the enemy at all. Maybe it's that we didn't follow Him. We didn't trust Him. 
or we blame it on somebody else or something else. And we deny that we need to learn something from what we've done. Learn something from our past mistake. I got to get going. Chapter 10, Joshua defeats not only the five kings that rallied against the group that he made covenant with, but he then defeated all the southern Canaan is taken. And in this story, he's about to run out of time, and he speaks to the Lord in front of the people, and he asks the sun and the moon to stand still so he can finish the battle. What a story, right? So there's not been another day like it since. New Horizon, we will never be perfect just as Israel was not perfect. But God is patient with us. And He corrects us. And He puts us on the right path when we've taken the wrong turn. And He will give back everything we lose along the way what he did for them even if he has to cause the sun to stand still so there's enough daylight to do it I am most grateful for the vision that New Horizon had in the beginning a place where people could worship freely and a place that would reach to others through missions that vision continues it started and it's not ever quit I'm also grateful for a people that took a risk. We may share some things some of you don't know. And bought what used to be a jazzercise building. You see, the building that you're sitting in right now, they used to do jazzercise in. There's had some folding hard chairs that was donated by a local funeral home. Miss Debbie McNeely and her family. Some of sound equipment donated. And they turn the Jazzercise building into a sanctuary where the church meets for worship. And then they added on next to us the, the space over here on the other side of us, the educational space in the kitchen and the downstairs. Then they added a family life center. And they kept doing missions all along. And we sit today not owing a penny on anything that's here. Completely debt free. And because it's debt free, we can do things in our community and in our missions that we couldn't do if we were paying a bank. And I'm sorry, bankers. But you know that's true. Let me just give you some thoughts that we get to do today. In this past year, if you don't know, we baptized 13 people. And 24 have joined the church. In our county, let me share some of these with you financially. In our county, this year we give the women's shelter $600. Bridges to Recovery, $3,900. Camel County Cancer Society, $1,500. Camel County Baptist Association, $9,300. Christmas in the Valley, $1,200. Deacon Fund is $7,575. It pays rent and pays light bills and just helps our members in so many ways. Downtown, $1,200. Habitat for Humanity, $400. Camp Galilee, $600. Pinnacle Resource Center, $2,400. Meals on Wheels, $1,200. Springs of Life Men's Home, $1,200. First Baptist Prude in a church that we're trying, that our association is partnering with to help with our building. We give $5,000 to them this year. Students, we've spent $20,000 on students this year. With a total in our county spending, $56,075. In our nation, 
Annie Armstrong offering covers all church plants all over the United States. We give $4,051 to that. We're trying to partner with some of those guys to increase. The TBC is the Tennessee Baptist Convention, which includes two state colleges, Carson Newman and Union College. It includes, which my son is an attendee and in the house today, and I'm always blessed to have Kobe here. And uh, two state colleges, four children's orphanages, adult homes for those who are mentally handicapped, and then the disaster relief program, and missions all across the state, $14,550 with a total of $18,601. In our uh, across seas, two trips to Mexico, $8,000. Two trips to Dubai, $9,000. Dominican Republic, we've given them $1,200 this year. Lottie Moon last year, which means every penny goes to the missionaries. $10,000 from our church. Monty Daniel, a missionary in, in India, $2,400 from our church. But we have people in our church that love him, and they give $4,620 above what the church does. Rajesh is in the poorest uh, state in India. He, uh, we give him $1,200. Rama. 3,600. Dave Wright is in Greece. Give him 1,200 for a total of $41,220. You want to see the grand total of giving that goes out of this building? $115,896 that our church gives. It's what we give. That ain't what we keep. That, that student stuff, that don't count the gas in the vans. It don't count the food we buy them to feed them. That's what we spend on camps, trips. See, this church from the beginning had a desire to be a place where we worship freely and a place that we served and made a difference in the community, in our nation, and around the world. And may we never stop. May we increase. And First Baptist Prudent, that's just a first of something we're getting involved in, helping some churches that COVID has been hard on, and they're struggling to make it. And we're going to come alongside of them, help them as well. Guys, happy anniversary. Worship team, will you come? And let's give glory to God. Listen, this is our response time. And we respond, sometimes we respond in worship by singing. Sometimes we respond in worship by repenting. Sometimes we respond in worship by increased faith in the area. Sometimes we respond in worship by acknowledging a truth that God has taught us and said, boy, this truth is for me today and I need to apply it to my life. So however God has dealt with your heart, you want to follow Him for the first time, you want to come and pray. I'm here with you as we pray together, as we worship together. Let's stand and worship. I love you more Oh, your mercy never fails me All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God
when we think about in this passage of scripture Achan who took from the pillage and what was supposed to have went to the tabernacle and he placed it under his own tent because he was just amazed probably by that much silver that much gold and just thought man I just want that and him and his family lost their life because of that it cost them something there's a reason that you and I are living here today and it ain't because we've not ever taken what belonged to God and buried it at our house. But it's because Jesus stood in our place and took what we deserved. Died in our place. Suffered for us. Took the curse. Drank the drink cup of wrath every drop so as we take communion this morning can we say my body didn't have to be broken because his was and I don't have to drink the cup of wrath I get to drink this juice and I promise it may not taste good but it tastes a lot better than the wrath and may we just celebrate communion today
going because there's a meal that everybody would like to eat and there's enough desserts I think for everyone to have one for themselves <clears throat> so there's going to be plenty for everyone to eat but before we do we'll be get we're gathering the shoe boxes carrying them to our uh, pickup station to this afternoon um, you brought them in you've been faithful and now I want us to pray over them we didn't carry them all in here but I've got this one. Remember this, every one of these boxes is going to represent a boy or a girl. They're going to represent a child. And a missionary is going to get to give this box to a child and talk about Christ. And begin and have follow-up and do continue things with that child for the weeks and the months to come. So we're just going to pray, and I'll ask you just to reach your hands out, up, over, whatever your desire is. And we're going to pray. There's 200, there were 243 before the service started. There's probably 250 or so at this time. So I just ask us at this time to pray. Do what? 269, Larry said. Okay? So I just ask us if we could just pray over these boxes this time. And I'll close this when we get ready. You just pray. Father, with love, these boxes were packed and brought here. And Father, will be sent out today. Father, and at some point over the next six weeks, they'll, receive, they'll be received by the hands of a child, Father, that who knows what their life is or where they're at. But Father, what's most important, Father, is that you love them and what Christ wants to do in their heart and life. So, Father, I, we pray as a church this morning for every child, for every missionary, for everyone involved in these boxes, every hand that touches them. May it be for your glory and for your honor. Father, as we gather to celebrate in a meal, Father, may it honor you and glorify you. And we thank you for it. And we just pray, Father, that it, it just satisfies everyone to fill our bellies, to satisfy their taste buds, to just give you joy and praise for all you're doing. Uh, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. If on the way out, if there's still boxes, we just need help getting them to the trailer. Other than that, you can go to the FLC and get started eating. Have a good day, guys. Thank mm -hmm. you.